the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Roots of Reconstruction by Rusas John Rushduni Narrated by Shelby Luke Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Rusus John Rushduni. In lieu of the judgment of God across this nation, I appeal to you to listen, learn, and live as the Holy Spirit guides you in the truth of the Word of God. The words and prompting of fallible men do not hold a candle to the truth of Scripture, and the truth of Scripture will only be words to our ears unless we exhort, establish, and exercise these infallible words in every area of thought and life. Chalcedon Report number 26, November 1967. Most people today believe in fairy tales. Jesus said, quote, Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Unquote. Matthew 7:16. As St. Paul stated it, quote, Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Unquote. Galatians 6, 7. People who believe in fairy tales deny this. A student can neglect his studies and somehow get a good grade. A man or nation can spend more than they take in and somehow remain solvent. The believer in fairy tales expects reality to match his dreams without any effort or work on his part. As a nation, we have been subsidizing evil, improvidence, criminality, and anti-Christian and anti-American thinking and activity for a generation. We have been sowing a storm. Can we reap anything but a storm? We have been subsidizing evil and penalizing good. Can we expect anything but evil to result? In his study, Grover Cleveland, 1948, Alan Nevins observed, quote, Character is not made overnight. When it appears in transcendent degree, it is usually the product of generations of disciplined ancestry or a stern environment, or both, unquote. The old Puritan discipline left a long and powerful influence on the American character. The humanistic discipline of state-supported education is now making itself felt in American life. Our politics, the hippies, the erosion of character and morality, all these things and more we are reaping because we sowed for it. In brief, we have been sowing for revolution and for economic disaster, and we are on the verge of reaping both. In the economic sphere, we are asking for disaster. A hard money policy has been abandoned and inflation is increasing. There is no likelihood that the paper money policy will be altered by anything save disaster. The socialist answer to every problem is appropriations and controls. The appropriations buy votes and increasingly make more and more of the people parasites living off the rest. Don Bell, in his excellent newsletter, October 20th, 1967, calls attention to the fact that, quote, the number of persons drawing pay or benefits of some kind from the federal government, state, local, and private assistance not included, is 102,900,000, unquote. But, quote, granted that in many cases the benefits may be small, and millions of people are actually earning what they get, as the military on active duty, but the figures remain. 
Over half the people in the United States are drawing pay or benefits from the federal government. About 40 million persons receive regular monthly payments from federal funds. This figure does not include businesses, farmers, and others receiving checks on an irregular or occasional basis, unquote. Most of these people will not vote an end to their paychecks. They will only vote more socialism. Economically, our future offers us basically two choices. First, we can have a depression, but only accidentally because while a depression is the easier way out, it is politically suicidal in that it loses votes. If we fall into a depression, the political answer to it will be more controls. Second, we can have runaway inflation, which means runaway controls also, culminating in social chaos and anarchy. Religiously, we see the churches today serving the cause of revolution. The gospel they preach is anti-Christian and their morality is deliberate immorality. Christ came to free men from guilt, but the quote now unquote gospel is designed to make us feel guilty for the sins of others and for the backwardness of other peoples and races. Thus, Harvey G. Cox of the Harvard Divinity School wrote in the June 1967 Renewal magazine on, quote, penance from piety to politics, reparations as a religious and political issue, unquote. According to Cox, we must pay reparations to the Negro people, among others. Quote, this debt is not a charitable contribution, but an honest debt, and the majority group in America remain the debtor group. Only when the relationships between the two groups are put on this basis of legal right and wrong and of just reparation do we escape the unconscious condescension which so often distorts even the most well-intentioned individual in this delicate area, unquote. In other words, white America must pay a heavy tax penalty for some time to come because of its initiative and superiority. Earlier this year, the Stanford Presbyterian theologian Dr. Robert McPhee Brown declared, quote, Not only is Christendom gone, but in its place is revolution. The question is not whether the revolution will succeed, but how much bloodshed there will have to be before a more equitable balance has been reached between rich and poor. Unquote. Presbyterian Journal, June 7, 1967. Brown is for revolution, and his gospel is revolution. The Jesuit president of the University of Santa Clara, the very Reverend Patrick A. Donahue, has expressed his hatred of the John Birch Society, which has killed no one and works to restore constitutionalism, and his preference for Marxism, which has killed millions of Christians. Quote, For myself, Birchism and its multiple variants are more destructive to human freedom than the crudest form of Marxism. Unquote. Oakland, California, Tribune, Wednesday, October 25, 1967, page 2, quote, a Jesuit's barrage at alumni. Unquote. If these men are clearly wrong, then how much more wrong are those who stay in these churches and help subsidize and support anti-Christianity by their presence and their gifts? In education, the situation is no better. When an anti-war teaching at UCLA was poorly attended with only 20 students turning out to hear four Negro speakers, Professor Donald Kalish, chairman of the Sponsoring University Committee on Vietnam at UCLA, declared, quote, 
When the intellectual and middle-class community refuse to even listen to spokesmen from our ghettos, I think that it is sufficient grounds to burn our city down, and I might even join them, unquote. Los Angeles Times, Anti-Vietnam War Teaching Called Failure, Part 3, page 18, Thursday, October 12, 1967. Both here and abroad, student groups call for guerrilla warfare. John Chamberlain, quote, SDS impulses span the sea, unquote, Los Angeles Herald Examiner, Friday, September 22, 1967, page B2, at Berkeley High School, a patriotic program, quote, up with the people, unquote, was banned because, quote, it deals with images rather than realities and sets standards of morality, of right and wrong, good and bad, unquote. According to a faculty student committee, Oakland Tribune, Wednesday, September 27, 1967, page 1, Noel Lieberman, quote, high school at Berkeley bar singers, unquote. Nothing indicates more clearly what our status education has become than this, quote, standards of morality of right and wrong, good and bad, unquote, are subversive to it. Meanwhile, sex education is becoming increasingly important to schools whose pupils are less and less able to read well. A popular teaching aid, quote, is a series of 35 slides dealing with the reproduction of flowers, chickens, dogs, and human beings. The anatomy and physiology of reproductive organs are shown in brightly colored representation designed to capture children's attention. A simply written text labels everything with its proper name as chickens and dogs are shown copulating. An optional slide shows a man and woman in bed covered to illustrate human intercourse, unquote. The Wall Street Journal, Tuesday, September 19, 1967, page 1, Neil Ullman, quote, The Facts of Life, unquote. We are told that, quote, very shortly, unquote, special private classes will be established to relieve parents of the responsibility of instructing their own children. Quote, initially, there will be the usual outraged hue and cry when movies are used to demonstrate positions, unquote. But the courts will vindicate, quote, academic freedom, unquote, and enlarge our freedom. H.S. Com, quote, had any lately, unquote. In Cavalcade, November 1967, page 17. This is, of course, part and parcel of the attack on privacy. A psychologist has said, quote, The closed door in most households is not so much a guardian of privacy as a symptom of prudery, a barrier between the generations, an obstacle to fluent sex education, a reinforcement of guilt and repression, unquote. Chester C. Bennett, Boston University, Quote, what price privacy? Unquote. An American Psychologist, Volume 22, Number 5. Is it any wonder that the very halls of many schools today must be patrolled not only by teachers, but sometimes by the police as well? Meanwhile, the police are under attack. A testing program has been set up to call out undesired persons. Quote, typical questions, unquote, include statements like this. Quote, I believe in the second coming of Christ, unquote. Guy Halverson, quote, culling all police, Wall Street Journal, Wednesday, October 18th, 1967, page 16. 
In many cities, police are forbidden to fire on looters or rioters. Santa Ana, California, The Register, Monday, August 21, 1967, page C5. Quote, My cops forbidden to fire at looters. See also L.A. Times, point one, page 12, Saturday, August 26, 1967. Quote, Winced at riot order, guard chief recalls, unquote, by George Lardner, Jr. A bill proposed in California would limit the right of the police to use their weapons even further. Santa Ana, The Register, Friday, October 20, 1967, page A8. Quote, Salons disagree on when cop can use gun, unquote. Similar legislation is proposed elsewhere. When we turn to the political sphere, the picture is no less grim. Barron's Weekly on August 28, 1967 wrote on, quote, Guerrilla politics, unquote. An apt title in that contemporary politics, like guerrilla warfare, is action aimed at the destruction of the existing social order. On July 31, 1967, the leading article in Barron's told its story in the title, quote, Poverty Warriors, the Riots are Subsidized as Well as Organized, unquote. Story after story reports on the subsidies to criminal and hoodlums, quote, Negro gang leaders to get federal jobs, unquote. In Washington Report, Robert S. Allen and Paul Scott in the Oakland Tribune, Friday, August 11, 1967, page 22. As well as subsidies to revolutionists, Santa Ana, the registered Thursday, August 24, 1967, page B7, quote, Violence pays liberation school told, unquote. The federal government today is actively and deliberately subsidizing revolutionists in the name of alleviating social distress. Some of this is clearly due to liberal soft-headedness, to the belief that money will save men. But not all the bureaucrats involved are fuzzy-minded liberals. Many are dedicated socialists and social revolutionaries. We cannot understand what is happening around us unless we see the Negro revolutionists, the hippies, the student radicals, and others who received federal aid in one form or another as the Red Guards of the establishment, called upon to break down the freedom of the people. Mao Zedong called on the Red Guard to break down all opposition in supposedly spontaneous demonstrations. It is easy to understand the Chinese Red Guards from a distance, but we cannot understand our American subsidized revolutionists as another Red Guard until we see them as an instrument being used to destroy the old, free America. The American Red Guard will be used to destroy the cities, cripple the police, infringe on our liberties, and then, in the name of controlling the Red Guard, the establishment will pass legislation to control its subsidized rioters and agitators and to control us. An angry populace will demand, quote, riot control, unquote. And although existing laws provide more than enough means for the police to control riots, the riots will be permitted to continue until, quote, emergency, unquote, legislation can be rushed through on demand and all our liberties be confiscated in order to, quote, control, unquote, the American Red Guard. The Red Guard will be ruthlessly killed off, if need be, to please the people, but their liberties will also be killed off. In all of this, the major enemy is Christianity and Christian law and order and Christian faith and Christian morality. As Dr. Lars Ullerstam, M.D., has written in the Erotic Minorities, quote, 
To be chaste is no longer praiseworthy, rather it is something unnatural and therefore almost intolerable, unquote. Page 24. For Dr. Ellerstam, we need, quote, a sexual bill of rights, unquote, which will not only permit liberty to homosexuality, incest, exhibitionism, pedophilia, saleromania, allegolagnia, scopophilia, and every other kind of perversion and pervert, but will also provide state subsidies for the people to compensate for their persecution by Christians. Here again, the issue is the same, a subsidy for evil. Having subsidized evil so long, how can we help but reap a harvest of evil? It would be possible to write several volumes on the evidences of subsidies to evil, to revolution, to anti-American activities, to laziness, to a variety of persons and activities which need legal control rather than legal subsidization. The important question is this, why is evil subsidized? The answer to this question is the great dividing line. The Greek and pagan view, the anti-Christian view, is that man's problem is a failure of knowledge. If man does wrong, it is because of inadequate, insufficient, or incorrect knowledge. The answer, therefore, is re-education. This is, of course, the answer of Marxism and Fabian Socialism. Re-education of the people out of Christianity, or, if they are too old for re-education, quote, purge, unquote, them or kill them off. The anti-Christian puts his hope, therefore, in knowledge, in education, and whether he be of the radical or of the conservative variety, he plans to save mankind by education. The Christian view is that man's problem is not a lack of facts, but a hatred of godly knowledge. Man's problem is sin, a corrupt and depraved will and mind, a total unwillingness to do other than suppress the truth. Knowledge cannot save man, only Christ can. The redeemed man will then grow in grace and therefore seek knowledge in order to serve and glorify God more ably. In terms of this, let us examine the question, why is evil subsidized? It is not subsidized out of ignorance, out of any lack of knowledge as to its meaning. President Johnson and Vice President Humphrey have both sounded the call to world revolution in full knowledge of what revolution means. Evil is subsidized to destroy the good, to destroy Christianity and its law order. The kind of planning for destruction varies from group to group. Some revolutionists plan in terms of mass burning, looting, raping, killing, and total destruction. Some plan in terms of totalitarian controls and ruthlessness only towards troublemakers. In either case, the goal is, whether directly or slowly, total destruction of Christian civilization. Some have called for, as I pointed out in this independent republic, chapter 9, a long period of chaos and revolution, of anarchy, racial amalgamation, and the total destruction of civilization. In times like these, it is well to remember the words of an ancient Hebrew, Jesus, or Joshua, ben Sirach, who wrote, quote, They that fear the Lord will not disobey His word, and they that love Him will keep His ways. They that fear the Lord will seek that which is well-pleasing unto Him. And they that love him shall be filled with the law. They that fear the Lord will prepare their hearts and humble their souls in his sight, 
saying, We will fall into the hands of the Lord, and not into the hands of men. For as his majesty is, so is his mercy. Unquote. Don Bell reports for October 27, 1967, stated briefly what this writer has said repeatedly at great length. Quote, as a nation, we have become too filthy to recover. We must reconstruct. Unquote. Our tax dollars are subsidizing evil. While there is still time, our free dollars had better subsidize Christian reconstruction. Rebuild or perish. Lot's wife turned back longingly to the old familiar places and perished with Sodom. Those who try to save the old forms, the old churches, the public schools, the old and captured citadels, will go down with them. The days ahead are days of death and of reconstruction. Our tax dollars are already subsidizing revolution and an American Red Guard, and we are getting our money's worth there. As Clark H. Pennock observed in Set Forth Your Case, 1967, quote, One of the best-kept secrets from the public at large in the 20th century has been the death of hope and the loss of the human, unquote. We are all involved by compulsory taxation and the subsidy of evil and the death of hope, as well as the loss of the human. But the question remains, to what extent are we using our remaining freedom for the Lord? Calcine Report number 28, December 1967. In our April 1966 Newsletter 7, the progressive confiscation of private property and of constitutional safeguards, was discussed briefly. This newsletter will deal with economic confiscation. As we survey the economic crisis, it is easy for us, from a Christian perspective, to see the present course of action as stupidity. For the federal government to attempt to control the price of silver is foolishness, and it has been costly foolishness. And the unrealistic price of gold is equally costly to us. The question is very often raised, quote, Don't they see what they are doing? Unquote. And the answer is clearly yes. What we are experiencing is planned stupidity, and its goal is confiscation. Marxist economics clearly aims at confiscation. Its goal is a communist economics and the destruction of free private capital. But this is equally the goal of Keynesian, neo-Keynesian, and welfare state economics. John Maynard Keynes, incidentally, was described as a homosexual by Walter Scott in, quote, Personality Parade, unquote, in Parade, November 12, 1967, page 2, citing as reference for this fact Michael Holroyd's Lytton Strachey, The Unknown Years, published by Holt, Reinhardt, and Winston. Keene's very influential book, The General Theory of Employment, Interest, and Money, 1936, had as one of its central points the hostilities of savings as a, quote, vice, unquote. Attention has been called to this aspect of Keene's by Henry Hazlitt. The failure of the, quote, new economics, unquote, Princeton, Van Nostrand, 1959, and Theodore Macklin, Gold, Key to Confidence, published in September 1967 by the Economist National Committee on Monetary Policy, 79 Madison Avenue, New York, New York, 116. Keynesian economics works to destroy savings and to make savings impossible. It does this not with an open policy of confiscation, 
but with a humanitarian concern for the general welfare, but under any name, it is a policy of confiscation. Now, it is important to define the savings which are attacked by Keynesian economics. This involves more than savings accounts in banks and savings and loan associations. It involves pension and insurance funds, private property, inheritances, and every other evidence of thrift and providence. This confiscation is done by means of, quote, doctored, unquote, money, counterfeit money. Lenin plainly said that a central banking system and paper money are nine-tenths of socialism. Our welfare state knows this and operates on the same premise. Gold and silver are real money. An economy geared to real money always has a healthy check on unsound economic practices. In such an economy, because both money and banking rest on a gold basis, credit cannot expand indefinitely. As bank loans increase to the limit of gold reserves, interest rates rise. Credit is cut off, and a short, quick depression results. Before World War I, U.S. depressions were short, a matter of weeks and months only and not as total in their effects. Unsound business practices are a condition of man. There is no foolproof protection against them. But a free economy limits credit because it has a hard money basis, and a credit expansion which is foolish and unsound is curtailed by hard money requirements. If a bank is too free with credit, Depositors can withdraw their money in gold and break the bank. If a civil government becomes unsound in policy, the people can vote against it, also simply by withdrawing and hoarding gold or demanding gold for their paper notes. But socialism wants to penalize the hardworking, the wise, and the thrifty to protect the fools and to subsidize them. Its answer to depression is to manage money and credit. Increase the credit. This is the socialist answer, a social credit scheme. As Alan Greenspan wrote in, quote, Gold and Economic Freedom, unquote, in Anne Rand, editor, Capitalism, the Unknown Ideal, 1967, page 99, quote, If shortage of bank reserves was causing a business decline, argued economic interventionist, why not find a way of supplying increased reserves to the banks? so they never need be short. If banks can continue to loan indefinitely, it was claimed, there need never be any slumps in business, unquote. As a result, a federal agency was created, the Federal Reserve System, to maintain a flow of credit and money. Now, if an economy works to ensure fools against failure, it will be progressively advantageous to be a fool or a parasite. The successful businessman is no longer the man who follows sound practices and holds to the Christian virtues. Such a man is increasingly penalized in order to subsidize the fools, knaves, and parasites. Debt is made into a business asset and a private asset by means of tax write-offs for interest and other advantages. Living on credit becomes a way of life and also a steady confiscation of real wealth to provide for the rascals. Today, most big business and labor are socialistic simply because their profit comes from the inflationary, confiscatory policies of federally created credit. In Newsletter 27, Gary North pointed out, quote, IBM needs $600 million a year in credit, unquote. 
IBM is not unusual in this respect by any means. What does this mean? It means that because the federal government, big and small business, and private citizens everywhere are deeply in debt and living on credit, they will demand more easy money, more inflation. They will want to pay off good debts with bad money. As a result, all the pressure will be for more easy money, more counterfeit money to be exact, for more inflation. To stop now is to court disaster. As a result, the total disaster of runaway inflation is invited. In order to avert the disaster of runaway inflation, controlled inflation will be the policy. This means progressive controls and, quote, credit crunches, unquote, to keep the inflation from getting out of hand. The attempt is ultimately doomed to fail, but it will still be pursued. In the free banking system of pre-Civil War days in particular, the failures of judgment affected individuals, banks, and business firms. The effect was essentially local, not national. Under a nationally controlled economy, every mistake is a national disaster. Credit under free banking was dependent on available gold. Without it, a bank too easy on credit failed. Depositors lost confidence in a speculative bank policy. Under socialistic banking, such as the Federal Reserve System, continued easy credit requires continued confiscation of someone's wealth. The credit has to come from available wealth. The welfare state makes this fresh credit available through heavy taxation, bond issues, and other means of confiscation, direct or indirect. The wealth of the thrifty, productive, and conservative people is steadily confiscated in order to provide for the fools, knaves, and parasites. Don Bell has pointed out, see newsletter number 26, that the number of people who receive federal pay or benefits numbers 102,900,000, over half the population of the United States. Of this number, about 40 million receive regular monthly payments, the rest seasonal checks. It becomes profitable to be a rascal, and the result is a population explosion among welfare recipients, easy money business firms, and scoundrels in every field. These people now can outvote the rest of the people, and these people know only one way to prosperity, rob the thrifty, hard-working people. The new rich of America have gained their wealth by soaking the old rich, an example of those rich in character, hard work, thrift, and ability. They will continue to do this until everything is confiscated and destroyed. The end result of socialism is total poverty. Some kind of disaster is inescapable. In this situation, the disaster devoutly to be wished for is God's judgment on these knaves and parasites, as well as fools. The present order will not change unless it is shattered, and it is God's shattering we need. God, who governs all things, is never absent from history. He created and ordained it. He demonstrated His intervening power and concern in the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Quote, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon His shoulder, and His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace, here shall be no end. Unquote. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. Christ shall confiscate the power of the confiscators. 
All laws, including economic law, are part of its creation and ordination. Defeat is written into the nature of the universe for all who transgress his laws, both naturally and supernaturally. Christ's government works to punish evil. They who live by easy credit will die by easy credit. They who steal shall be robbed of all they have. Quote, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Unquote. Isaiah forty thirty one. We face perilous times, but we do not face them alone. Make no mistake about it, the issues are religious. All socialists oppose gold because they believe in neither God nor in freedom. Gold and silver represent independent wealth, wealth which is natural, God-created wealth. Paper money is state-created, quote, wealth, unquote, and it can be destroyed by the state. A government decree can and often has changed the value of paper money or abolished one paper currency to replace it with another. As Lenin clearly saw, there can be no total control of society without total paper money. An example, fiat money. Wealth in gold represents independent and uncontrolled wealth, and therefore socialism tries to abolish it. Man's only, quote, freedom, unquote, must be what the state permits, and this is like the freedom of a prisoner to move around in his cell. Recently, U.S. Treasury officials denied that gold has any real value apart from the price the U.S. gives it. They threatened to, quote, bankrupt, unquote, hoarders by lowering the price of U.S. gold from $35 to $6 an ounce, an act which would only raise the price of gold all the more rapidly, because it would only mean the bankruptcy of the U.S. dollar. The U.S. Treasury officials do not believe in gold because they do not believe in freedom. Such men believe themselves to be wiser than God. They do not believe that freedom can work. Only that which they themselves create and totally control, a paper, quote, gold, unquote, can work. Because only humanistic controls are for them man's hope. The issues are thus religious. Man's order or God's order. The outcome in such a struggle is certain. We have therefore this assurance in the days ahead. The battle is the Lord's. Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Bruce's John Rushman. Lord willing, we will be reading again next week. Until then, may God bless your endeavors as you serve the one and only King Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the love he had by his pain, the very price. It was there at Calvary's tree, where he died for you and me. Oh,
Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.